Welcome, Luminous Church. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us. My name is William Galloway, and I have the honor to preach today on the spiritual discipline of study. We are in our 75 Hard series, and, on, and our prayer is that throughout this summer that these spiritual disciplines would bring about spiritual formation and not religiosity. Dallas Willis says, so the question is, what is spiritual formation? Dallas Willis says, spiritual formation for the Christian basically refers to the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ himself. Spiritual formation then is Christ being formed in you. And two weeks ago, Pastor Edgar preached on Sabbath and how entering into Christ's rest by Sabbathing spiritually forms us. Last week, Brandy brought the word at Chicken and Pickle in the Ministry of Reconciliation. Let's give it up for Brandy. She's not here, but let's give it up for her. And how many of y'all had a good time at Chicken and Pickle? Yeah, and during the Pickleball Tournament, as you can tell by my obnoxiously huge cup, this 2023 Luminous Champion <laughs> that Aisha and I had a really good time, as well as David and Isaac. We're so glad that you were able to join us. But this week, we'll go back into our series on how we can see Jesus through the spiritual discipline of studying Scripture. But there are a few wrong approaches to studying scripture, and here are a couple of them. Number one, the self-approach. You treat the Bible as if it exists to make you feel better. So you only study scripture to help you get through what you're going through. It's what Jen Wilkin calls the Xanax approach. You make the Bible a book about you and how it can serve you. Number two, the familiar approach. You have a hard time studying scripture because you're so familiar with it that you've just become bored. You say, I've read this before, and I, so I'll just speed past it. You've lost the joy of studying scripture, and so you don't put as much time and effort into it. The third one, the intimidated approach. I remember when I was in high school, and I met Aisha, God told me that she was my wife, and she was the Christian girl, or still is the Christian girl. That would be an issue for our children's ministry as she leading that. She wasn't Christian, but I wanted to get to know her, and but when her friends found out, it seemed like they made like 613 laws or standards front and back, single space, triple column on the pages of every single quality that she wanted in a man. And I was so intimidated that I didn't know where to start because first of all, I saw blonde hair, blue eyes, and they have to be Christian. And I said, well, I'm not the Christian Zac Efron, so I have no chance. But I would ask her friends about what she was like and relate to her based on what they said about her and not actually what she had to say about herself. And it took me three months just to get her number. But if some of us were, to be honest, we're the same way spiritually. When it comes to studying scripture, we know we're supposed to be in a relationship with God, but we see the Bible as everything that God wants us to be and do before we can enter into a relationship with him. And we're so intimidated, we don't know where to start and we never actually go to God and see what he has to say about himself. The last one is the religious approach. I was with a student the other day, and I asked him how he was doing spiritually. And he said, I know I need to spend more time with God. But at the moment, it just feels like another chore. I asked, why is that? And he said, well, because I haven't really been looking at it as a relationship, just as something I have to or need to do. You may approach studying scripture one or more of these ways, and I've done all of them in my past. 
And my objective today when it comes to studying scripture is to teach you how to study relationally three ways if you're taking notes. Number one, communally slash individually. Two, Christocentrically or centered on Christ. And three, holy spiritually. And my hope is that by the end of the message, you will find the, the spiritual discipline of studying scripture a relational practice and not only a religious practice. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 10, verse through 17. 2 Timothy, I mean chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. And it reads like this. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecution I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Amen? Verse 13, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, say, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, say, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped in every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would teach us, reprove us, correct us, and train us in righteousness this morning so that the men and women in our church will be complete and equipped for every good work. And Everybody says, Paul starts with the you, however. He's, Second Timothy is the Apostle Paul's last letter as he's writing to Timothy, his spiritual son, who was in Ephesus from a prison in Rome. And Second Timothy 3 is really Paul writing prophetically about where the church will be and where culture will be. And he says, Timothy, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, they'll be uh, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I know my children were disobedient this week. I'm like, Lord, I know it's the last days. Come quickly, come quickly. <laughs> Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, having the appearance of godliness, yet denying its power. He said that there will be men who oppose the truth. But Timothy, you, however, are called into crystal formity, not conformity. When it comes to spiritual formation, there should be a you, however, and it should be different than cultural formation. He says, Timothy, I know that what culture is like, but you, however, are called to not conform to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And that's why he starts off verse 10 by telling him to study communally and individually. He starts off with that you, however, have followed my teaching, not the false teachers in Ephesus. You have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, 
my patience, my love, my steadfastness, etc. And Timothy was following the apostles' teaching of what we now know as New Testament scripture. Then Paul says, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The evil people described in verses 1 through 9, and the impostors are those who just have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power because they're just religious. They think that by doing a religious deed that they have salvation, but they're really deceiving themselves. I know I've been an imposter in the past as well. In high school and college, I used to work out every day. However, after college, I would work out zero to one times a week. <laughs> and I was deceived because I would get back into the gym and believe that I could lift as much as I could used to lift and run as fast as I used to run because I was still relying on workouts that I did back then. Now my mother-in-law tells me every day, and she, she walks in, she stands, she's like, mijo, you look skinny. <laughs> and to be honest, that's why I didn't wear black. Black is my favorite color like Pastor Ben does every Sunday, because remember you were learning how to draw when you were like four or five and you went, went into the drawer and you got a Sharpie and loose leaf paper and you started to draw what? Stick figures. And, that, and the stick figures didn't really have hair and that would have been me up here just standing here apparently, just like this, <laughs> smiling and... So yeah, that's apparently what my mother-in-law thinks I look like, but I noticed if I wasn't disciplined and exercising physically, I would go from bad to worse or from strong to weak. The same is true spiritually, is that if we don't continue in what we have learned and have firmly believed, then we don't grow. We go from bad to worse or from strong to weak. He says, Tim this, is, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, Timothy, think about this. This is his last letter to his son that he just spent the past 16, 15 or 16 years with. His spiritual son, he says, Timothy, you've done so well. I'm so proud of you. You followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my love, my patience, my steadfastness. You've endured persecution. I'm so proud of you. And you probably won't see me any longer. But I don't want you to depend on your childhood Sunday school lessons. I don't want you to depend on the missionary journeys that we had and all of our discipleship meetings on the way. I don't want you to depend on yesterday's verse of the day as for you, continue. This is where spiritual discipline comes in in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Who did he study with? Paul says to Timothy in chapter one, I'm reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, in which I am now sure dwells in you also. Paul can say this because he was discipling Timothy. There was a communal studying of scripture that led to Timothy's spiritual formation. Question, who are you studying scripture with? Who's teaching you to follow God's word? Who's helping you see Jesus? There's so many voices out there that are always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth or a person as we see and there's people that just with itchy ears that just want people to tell them what, what they want to hear. And this is why life groups and discipleship groups are so important. This is why preachers and teachers that you know are important. Do they have a sincere faith? Are they worth following? Listen, don't just go to TikTok and Instagram preachers and teachers. 
studying scripture with people that know, that you know, and people that know and love you. Parents with children, brothers and sisters, priests and teachers with disciples. Listen, church, the best thing that you can do for the spiritual formation of the next generation is to teach them the authority, inerrancy, and infallibility of the word of God, especially in the last days and times of difficulty where self is now the authority. This was a part of the early Christian and Jewish tradition. They would meet together to read from scripture. Paul tells Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. Not for a sermon, but for the public reading of scripture. We see this in Exodus 24 with Moses. We see this with uh, King Josiah in 2 Kings 23. And there afterwards came reform. We see this with Ezra and Nehemiah. And afterwards there came reform as well. If you want to see change in our culture and for culture to be spiritually formed, we have to start with scripture not with ourselves. We study scripture communally, but study individually as well. If the only time that you study the Bible is in a life group or a discipleship group or at church, then you just rob yourself from what the Lord has for you. And it's actually to do violence to men and women such as John Wycliffe and William Tyndall who were martyred for translating the Bible into the English language so that we could actually read it. Historically, they had to study in a synagogue or a church because not everyone had their own physical or digital copy of the Bible. And to present day, where YouVersion has 1,973 languages on a, of the Bible on an app? Are you kidding me? We live in the most accessible time of the Bible. The problem is we just don't access it. We wonder why God is silent and our Bibles are closed. Martin Luther says, when scripture speaks, God speaks. So we must study communally and individually. But what is God speaking about? Let's look at verse 15 for our answer. And we study, too, Christocentrically. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which, is, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible is a biography, not an autobiography. It's not about you. The Bible is, a hist- is not a history book, although it contains history. The Bible is not a scienti- science book, even though it contains scientific facts such as creation. The Bible is not a book of moral laws, even though it contains laws. The Bible is a biography written over a period of 1,500 years by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages, and it contains 66 books. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, and it has different literary genres such as historical narrative. You have poetry, wisdom literature, the law and the prophets, the parables and the epistles. And it's all, it's a book from God about God with one central theme. Jesus Christ saving you. Genesis to Revelation tells a unified big story through what we call the meta-narrative, the creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration that leads to Jesus. It is through the scriptures that we get to see Jesus and see the gift that he offers us as we repent and put our trust in him for our salvation as Lord and, as a Lord and Savior. See, if we study the Bible and we miss Jesus, then we study it wrongly. And Jesus would actually call us foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the Old Testament has spoken. We need the Holy Spirit to open our minds to understand the scripture that everything in the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning Jesus must be fulfilled. 
that he must suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name. Why? We just sung about it because he has been given the name that is above every name. God has highly bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. This is why we have scriptures. So we, we don't just know of Jesus, but to know Jesus and be in relationship with him. It's not enough to just study the scriptures because you think that in your doing of a religious deed that you have eternal life. And it's actually they that bear witness about him. You must come to Jesus so that you can have eternal life. We must see Jesus in our studying of scripture. Scripture is a biography. The late Timothy Keller says, the whole Bible is one big story with a central storyline. God restores the world lost in Eden by intervening in history to call out and form a new humanity. This intervention climaxes in Jesus Christ to accomplish salvation for us that we could not accomplish ourselves. Have you approached the Bible autobiographically or biographically? I remember when I got saved at the University of North Texas in 2016 in the student union building right next to Chick-fil-A. You know, all good things happen next to Chick-fil-A, apparently. And I was doing a one-to-one Bible study, and the starting scripture was Acts 2.36, and that's been so spiritually formative in my life. And it says that let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And it was then that my understanding of who Jesus was grew. And I went from a cultural Christian to a disciple, a learner of Jesus. And I thought, if this is true, what else did I not know about Jesus? What else did I misunderstand? Where else have I believed what others said and not actually what he has to say about himself? So I started studying the scriptures, started going through Acts. And I came across Acts 17, 11, another scripture that's been so spiritually formative in my life. And it's talking about the Jews in Berea. And it says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. What things? And I said, what things, Lord? What are they talking about? And I started reading Acts again. And it gave me the answer. It's verse, verse 2, that Paul was preaching and teaching that Jesus was the Christ, his life, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his coming back again. This was all about Jesus. This is what the Jews were looking for, and I wanted this to be my life. And so I started studying scripture Christocentrically. And as, as I started doing that, I started to go more into Christoformity. He started to be formed in me. In other words, as I saw Jesus, he made a difference in me and through me on my campus and in my community but it was in partnership with the person of the Holy Spirit. So we studied communally slash individually, Christocentrically, and lastly, holy spiritually. <laughs> no, holy spiritually is not a word. Holy is, spiritually is, but holy spiritually is not. But I say spiritually because, you know, preachers have to make it sound good. I wanted alliteration with the other two points, to be honest. But here's what I mean. Study led by the Spirit of God. Let's look at verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This word, we're going to walk this down. This word scripture is the Greek word graphe. It's used 51 times in the New Testament, and it always refers to the Old Testament. It was a technical term for New Testament writers and only used for that which was thought to be God's word and what the Jewish family of Timothy knew and taught him and with which he was acquainted. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the apostle Peter classifies Paul's writing as scripture, namely the Old Testament. Paul's writings are therefore considered by Peter worthy of the title of scripture. So this means that the implication for this word scripture includes the New Testament as well. Because it too is breathed out by God. And so when we say all scripture, we mean all. That includes both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're not just New Testament Christians. We must study the whole counsel of God and not shrink back from it. All scripture is breathed out. It's the Greek word theopneustos, meaning a combination of two words, theos, which means God, and pneuma, spirit, breath, or wind. Adam Mabry says this, God the spirit breathed the Bible. God the Spirit breathed the Bible. Other versions say inspired by God. The emphasis is not on the way that it came about, but on the source of that information. All scripture is breathed out by God. It refers to that which is God has spoken, because in order to speak, you have to breathe. What Paul is saying that the reason why scripture is able to be the source of truth for spiritual formation and for salvation because it in all of its entirety is breathed out by God. How do we know this? Second Peter 1. Knowing this, first of all, no prophecy of scripture ever comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So if this is true, that no scripture ever came by the will of man, then why do we think we can study it or interpret it on our own intellect and our own willpower. There's a dual authorship, both God and man, meaning scripture is his word written to mankind from God through men empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why is it so important? Because the Spirit breathed the Bible. And if we really want to understand it, then we need the Holy Spirit. We must study Holy spiritually. And it's profitable. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for Reproof for correction for training in righteousness. It's useful. Well, you mean to tell me even Leviticus is useful? Absolutely. You mean to tell me that the genealogies of these long chapters of every single name in history, it seems like, is useful? Absolutely. If you're a Christian, that's your 23andMe. That's your Ancestry.com. It's useful. Let's see how scripture is useful and how the Holy Spirit partners with you and I so that we may be complete and equipped for every good work. It's profitable for teaching. It teaches us about God and man and what is good, right, and true. And it answers these questions. Who are we? Where do we come from? What's wrong with the world? And how God can fix it, not us. Two, reproof. It tells us when we're wrong and it, it disagrees with us strongly about what we say, do, or believe that's not in agreement with God's teaching in other words, it says stop. Proverbs one twenty three. if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you. I love the relationship between the spirit of God and the word of God. It's not either or, it's both and. 
It's both and. It's the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all the truth. That's teaching. And when we come to the knowledge of the truth, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's reproof or rebuking. R.C. Sproul says this, when you or I read the Bible, the Bible criticizes me. I don't criticize the Bible. Most of us are against scripture because it tells us and teaches us everything that's wrong with us and that we're sinners who love to sin. And because we're sinners who love to sin, we don't want anybody telling us that what we love to do is wrong. And a lot of people only believe what they like about the Bible, but they reject and they reject what they don't like. And when you do this, it's not really the Bible that you believe. It's yourself. But wait, Charles Spurgeon says this. This is my encouragement to all of us. If, if, if there's any verse that you would like left out of the Bible, that is the verse that ought to stick to you like a blister until you really attend to his teaching. But wait, there's more. God is so loving. He's so good. He doesn't just rebuke us. But he actually puts his spirit within us and he causes us to walk according to his ways and he causes us to obey his, his statutes and his rules. In other words, he empowers us unto obedience and he course corrects us in, in, unto obedience and righteousness and holiness away from sin. This is what living by the spirit and keeping step with the spirit means. So this scripture is profitable for correction. Once we're approved, now the Bible corrects us. It corrects our path, and we, it turns us 180 degrees. If you're sinning, it's not a 360 because you're going just right back into sin. You hear this all the time, but we're 180 degrees to where? To Jesus and his righteousness. The Holy Spirit brings us to remember all the words that he says. So every day as we get into it, if we find ourselves going in the wrong way, we, we get taught and we are now reproved and now it corrects us back into Jesus and his righteousness and as we look to him now we start to become tra trained in righteousness it's profitable for training in righteousness Christ and his righteousness start to be formed in us so that we will be complete and equipped for every good work isn't that what this 75 hard series is about Spiritual formation and the spiritual disciplines is about training in righteousness. That you will be complete and equipped for every good work. Listen, Jesus did not just want to save you. He wants you to be complete. Spiritually, emotionally, financially, physically, professionally, relationally. He wants you to be complete in every part of your life. And scripture is profitable to bring us to completion. If you study it communally and individually, Christocentrically and holy spiritually, Jesus doesn't just save, he sanctifies. He doesn't just sanctify, sanctify, but he equips you for every good work with everything that you need, not want, but need, so that you can fulfill the call of God in your life. He wants you to be complete. He wants you to be equipped. And no, it's not prosperity gospel. It's just the gospel. It's just the gospel. Jesus, he saves, he heals, he delivers. It may not be fully on this side of, of heaven, but it sure is on the other side. 
And that's why God gave us scripture so we can see Jesus clearly and make a difference on our campus, in the community, in our city, and throughout the whole entire world. So what do we do about this? If you're in 75 hard, you're supposed to be applying these spiritual disciplines. I hope that you've been Sabbathing and experiencing entering into Christ's rest, and that's been refreshing for you. And so what do we do about this? Well, I would love for us to scan the QR code behind us, and we're going to study exactly you know, what we just talked about. We're going to study communally and individually. And as you scan the QR code, you can go to our link tree and go to the Bible reading plan. And for the next 60 days of this series, we're going to be going through the Apostle Paul's letters through a reading plan by the Bible Project so that we can know more of Jesus. But we're going to do it together. And it's not too hard. It's just one chapter a day, one chapter a day with a devotional video. And I pray that that will be fruitful. But scan the QR code, join us so we can actually apply what the Lord is telling us to do, as well as continue to rest in Sabbath. The next thing, we're just, just going to do a listening prayer. A listening prayer so every eye closed, every head bowed. I want you to ask the Father in the name of Jesus, where am I not complete? And where am I not equipped? Father, in the name of Jesus, where am I not, where am I not complete? And where am I not equipped? And allow Christ and his words by the power of the Holy Spirit to be formed in you completely and to equip you. Where am I not complete? Where am I not equipped? Father in heaven, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for scripture that is breathed out by you and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that we as a church may be complete and equipped for every good work. Lord, I pray that right now that you would just, even as we're praying, asking where are we not complete, where are we not equipped, that you would teach us, reprove us, correct us, and train us. So that not just for religious purposes, but because we want to become more like you. We want more of you in our lives to be formed in us. I thank you for our church in Jesus' name. Amen.